You, you guys are pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah, you can be seated for a second. That's, <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of you. I really am. <laughs> um, today is your last opportunity to come and see the Curious Savage. And uh, probably the last time that uh, Marsha Allen will have blue, blue, blue hair. Uh, it's a good show. I would, and, you know, they're going to be finished with the Masters this morning, so you've got nothing to do this afternoon. Come see this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Stand with me. Stand with me. Let's read from the Gospel of John. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that Jesus would be glorified in this place today. Pray that he would be magnified and lifted up in each one of our hearts so that we would understand what you're doing, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is, uh, this is Holy Week. Uh, this is called Holy Week. Uh, the, the, the truth is uh, it's not necessarily any more holy than other weeks. Paul says over in, um, in Romans chapter 14, one person considers one day more uh, special than another, and another person considers every day alike and said each one should be convinced in their own minds. And so you're not uh, necessarily a second-class Christian if, you know, if you're kind of going, Holy Week, you know, what, what's that? Uh, no, uh, that's, that's not it. But this is a special week in that uh, this week is called Holy Week because it leads up to the day that we celebrate the resurrection. It leads up to, to Easter, to Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and so it's a week to reflect on the events that led up to the resurrection, that the events that occurred during the, the passion of our Lord. We need to be reminded to be reminded. We need to be reminded to be reminded because we live in a culture that, that is so crazy paced and so mind-numbing and so soul-stealing that sometimes we just need to go, wait a minute, I haven't thought about this in a while. This is something I need to think about. This is, this is something that's important in my, in my life. There are uh, five particular days that are uh, extra special days in Holy Week. One of them is, is Spy Wednesday. Uh, now, that is kind of one of the lesser known ones, but, but uh, in liturgical churches, uh, they would consider that. Wonder what Spy Wednesday might be about. Any guesses? Uh, 
the day that, uh, that Judas agreed to betray Jesus. You ever been betrayed by anybody? Did you know you were being betrayed when you were? Probably not. Jesus did, but, but probably not. Have you ever betrayed anybody? There, there wasn't as much of, a, of an agreeable murmur that went up as there was on the first question. Have you, have you ever been betrayed? Uh, and, and you know what? I mean, the truth of the matter is the way, things, the way things go, there may be situations where you ne- didn't necessarily think you betrayed somebody, but boy, they sure th- thought you betrayed them. Uh, that, that can kind of, there might be some things to think about on Spy Wednesday. This might be some things to, to consider. Uh, one, one of the big ones is Monday, Thursday. Now that's, if you read uh, John's gospel, chapters 13 through 17, uh, he, he covers that, that night pretty well, actually going through 18. He, he covers that night <clears throat> very, very well. Uh, but uh, there were some special things happened on that night. One of them is Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And that's usually what most people um, associate with who who know about Monday, Thursday. We used to have a Thursday evening of Holy Week foot washing service. And we would almost have enough people turn out on that evening to pose for the Last Supper painting. Uh, Over the the years, there there was almost probably a score of people who came to... uh, uh, to foot washing, because most people just kind of were freaked out about that idea. Uh, if you're going to have a foot washing service, let me just put it this way. Bring children. Bring children, because they'll get you going. What, what we would do is we would read the scripture, and we would, we would put out uh, stations with, with basins and towels, and, uh, and then we would we'd just we'd play some music, turn the lights down and say, you know, as the Lord leads, come. And nobody would come until the children started coming and having so much fun that the adults went, well, maybe maybe, I'd try that as well. I might want to get involved in that. And they would, and things would happen. Things would happen. But uh, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, including his betrayer, who he knew had betrayed him. Uh, And he did it for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons that he did it was to show the disciples uh, and to show us what a kingdom upside down looks like. Because in the the world, uh, you rule from the top. But in the kingdom, you you rule from serving. You rule, rule from the bottom. Whoever would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. And he, and he also did it to show them and to show us how we're supposed to treat each other. When he, got, when he got done, he said, do you understand what I've just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and rightly so, because that's what I am. That's, that's not boasting, that's humility. That's exactly what he was. Now that I, your, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do what I've done for you. Also on that night, Jesus instituted the table. Um, How many of you eat? And how many of you did not understand the question? (laughs) Yeah. 
No, everybody eats. We, we all eat. And, and there's a tipping point in relationships that comes when you sit down and eat with somebody. And you can know someone, you can, you can have a relationship with them, you can, but when you sit down and break bread together, something changes in the relationship. It moves to a, moves to a different level that it wasn't before. Sometimes, um, sometimes when people want to do business, uh, in fact, I've had people, and usually it's not a good sign when they say this, I, I've had people kind of go, uh, uh, Pastor, I need to meet with you. I don't want to do it over lunch. We need to, this, this is a business. Uh, I, most of those kind of meetings would probably actually turn out a lot better if they were done over lunch or over dinner or over that, that level of relationship uh, getting together. The dynamic changes when, when food is involved. And Jesus created a, a powerful metaphor which, which includes everyone. He, he invites us every time we eat bread, every time we drink wine, and if you don't drink wine, whatever it is you drink, yeah, invite me. Remember me. I'm there with you. Powerful, powerful thing he did. But neither one of those things, not the foot washing, not the, um, not the table, or why it's called Monday Thursday. It's called Monday Thursday because of the, the mandatum that was given, because of the great command on that night. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Um, what, you th what was the old command, you think? I mean, if this is the new command... Now, somebody in the first service said, well, the old one was love the Lord your God. Well, that one's, that one's still, yeah, no, that one's there. Uh, but the one that, that maybe got replaced might have been number two, love your neighbor as yourself, is now replaced with something different. What's different about this? Yeah. Don't love your neighbor the way you love you. Love your neighbor the way I do. Love your neighbor the way I love you. That's, that's, that's better. That's a stronger thing that, that supersedes. And these are not just rituals. I mean, the foot washing ritual can be quite powerful. I've, I've been in situations where it's been quite powerful. And, and honestly, when we, would, when we would do this, have the foot washing service, and when people finally start doing it, I mean, you know, tears would flow, laughter would happen. It was reconciliation would happen. I mean, it, it's, it's a powerful thing. But it has little value unless it extends into our daily lives. Serve one another. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, has served you, you need to serve each other. And the table is a powerful ritual, but, but the table of grace is simply a reminder that every day we have access to the throne of grace on every occasion. We absolutely do in our daily lives. And this command, love, what, what, a, what a beautiful sentiment. What a beautiful thing. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. And it's also so empty and rings so hollow when we don't do it. So anyway, Monday, Thursday is pretty, that's pretty, that's a day you can think about some stuff. 
And then, of course, Good Friday, we know about that, the, the day of the cross, the, the day of the greatest battle, the, the day of the most stunning event in the history of the cosmos. I mean, think about it. From our perspective, we, there's a lot of stuff to think about. But I mean, think about being a, a, an immortal creature in the cosmos and looking at it from their perspective. My goodness gracious. The creator of the entire universe has become one of them, and, they're, and he's letting them kill him. The most stunning event in the history of the cosmos. Holy Saturday. A day of profound mysteries. What happened? What's that all about? Where did he go? What, who are these prisoners that he ministered to? What does that mean? What's that? Why were they imprisoned? What? If, you, if you can't handle mystery, then your life, whether you're a believer or not, is going to be extremely impoverished. If you've got to understand everything, you are going to be a dull person. Mystery is rich. Mystery is exciting. Mystery is powerful. Holy Saturday is all about mystery. Am I, I don't know, you know, uh, have you ever seen, uh, it's an old movie, but not many, have you, have you ever seen uh, The Apostle? Yeah, so uh, there's a guy named uh, Paul Baggett, who was in that movie, and he pastored in Millersville after my dad. And he's, he's one of the tag team preachers under the tent. He's the one that's got the keys. He's got the one that's jangling the keys, and he's going, the devil thought he had the keys. The devil thought he stole the keys. But Jesus, after he went to the cross, he went down into hell, did a backflip over the devil and grabbed the keys from him. And it's going, well, yeah, all right. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. It's Holy Saturday, day of mystery. Yeah. Easter, interestingly enough, is not part of Holy Week. Mm -mm. No, it's not. Because an entirely new era started on that day. Nothing was ever the same again after that day happened. So it's not really part of Holy Week. But I did say there were five special days. And, of course, the other one is the one that we're in today, Palm Sunday. And there are things in it that we, that we know about. Uh, we know about uh, the palm branches. The palm branches were in, in many cultures, and especially in that culture and, and throughout history, victory, uh, symbols of victory, symbols of peace, symbols of eternal life. Symbols are very powerful things. We, uh, we, our system, we live in a culture that, that tends to weaken the power of symbols by commercializing them. Okay? But they still retain tremendous power. Flags, you know, there are certain flags that, that just have incredible uh, um, power, the ability to, uh, uh, to arouse passion within people. And other symbols, you know, swastika, Star of David, peace symbol, which is really for nuclear disarmament. I mean, there, there are symbols that, uh, that have that kind of power. What better symbol for Jesus 
and the palm branch. Victory? Over in uh, Revelation chapter 19, it says that, uh, he, that he will return riding on a white horse and that, that he'll have on his head many kingly crowns and that with the, with the sword that comes forth from his mouth, he will destroy his enemies and on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus has a tattoo. And I've been thinking about getting me one, but Margaret would, would kill me. <laughs> and beyond that, I'm not quite sure what I would get. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is taken. Okay? <laughs> Believe me. But, you know, I was thinking, I mean, we got a great logo here at the church. And we've had, I've known three people who've had that logo tattooed on them. None of them go to the church anymore. But for the rest of their lives, they will advertise us wherever they happen to be. <laughs> victory. Yes. Symbol of victory. Symbol of peace. We know Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, right? Unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Oh, yes, please. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah. Eternal life. Gee, I wonder what scripture verse we could come up with for that one. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. We, we know about the palm branches. We, we know about the donkey. How many of you love donkeys? I mean, if you don't love donkeys, you haven't seen Shrek. You know? <laughs> or you hadn't just driven down the road and, and seen one of those. I mean, they're just so, ooh. Yeah. Uh, and we read the verse, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming to you. Seated on a donkey's colt. Max Licato has, a, has a, a sermon that he preached years and years ago that's kind of become famous about the guy who owned the donkey. Because you find out in the other uh, uh, gospel accounts that Jesus sent his disciples into town to go get this donkey. And, uh, and he said, if anybody asks you, just tell them the Lord needs it and will bring it back. And so they were untying the donkey and they got asked. They said, well, the Lord needs it and we'll bring it back. Okay. <laughs> I trust you, Lord, I trust you. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's pretty good stuff. Kings would come riding on a horse if they were intent on war. When they came riding on a donkey, they were intent on peace. And this... Uh, this was lost on the people who were, who were in the crowd. Because, see, they were expecting him to come bent on war. They were expecting, even, even, and, even after they saw him coming on a donkey, they were expecting, we're going to get the Romans taken care of now. But instead of turning to go toward the Roman garrison, he 
turn to go toward the temple and sort some things out there. And when he he cleansed the temple, he didn't just do it for the benefit of those who were being exploited by the um, uh, by the racketeering that was going on there. He did it also for the benefit of the, the racketeers because they were being exploited as well. They just didn't know it because money was going in instead of coming out. They didn't understand that their very soul was being sold for that money. We know about the shouts. People were shouting at children. Children. Children were running in in the temple courts. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And the adults came along and would go, "Uh -uh, you you see these uh, children, this is is not very decorous here. You need to calm these kids down. (laughs) And yeah, I'll talk about parenting another time. But... uh, But Jesus replied to them, uh, have you never read the scripture from the from the mouths of children and infants? Lord, you have ordained praise. You have called forth praise. Like I said, when we had the when we would do the the foot washing, the only way we could get the adults to start coming down is if we had children there to show them how to do it. Most of you have not been in the early service, but in the early service, I have the privilege, Arwen referenced it a little bit, that that was our daughter who was up here, I have the privilege, usually during the first couple of songs, of holding my three-year-old grandson, Bo, and when he takes the notion to sing, oh my goodness, because he doesn't hold back. Trust you! trust you, and you're holding a three-year-old doing that? Oh, I wish all of you had that privilege. I wish all of you had that opportunity to have something like that happen. It's just smart. I mean, it messes Barbie up to stand right behind him and listen to him sing. And, and, and that's part of why I enjoy it. <laughs> Take that, Barbie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We know the fickleness of the crowd. The Hosannas turn into crucify him five days later. Hosanna, save now. Yeah, well, that's exactly what he's getting ready to do. That very thing, ah. But they didn't know. We read about it. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. When they brought Jesus into Jerusalem, they didn't understand. I mean, at the cross, you know, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, of course they don't know what they're doing. They're Romans. Of course they don't know what they're doing. They're they're, they're soldiers from an occupying army. Of course they don't know what they're doing. The disciples didn't know what they were doing. They they didn't know what they were doing when they brought him into Jerusalem. They didn't know what they were doing when they were sleeping in the garden while he was going, will you you just stay awake and pray with me? They didn't know know what they were doing when when they all ran away, went to their own homes. There are times that even the disciples don't know what's going on. This is a black. Does anybody know what this is? 
black hole, hey, all right. You, you guys could answer trivia questions on the radio. Uh, and what is that? Why did I put that up there? It's a donut. Yes, it, it also looks very much like a donut. Uh, kind of a creepy donut, but a, a donut nevertheless. Uh, yeah, this is the, the first picture of a black hole, and they revealed it this week. What happens when you fall into a black hole? Let me just give you a clue. You don't know. Nobody knows. In fact, they, they kind of feel like maybe it has to do with perspective. If you're, if you're looking at somebody falling into a black hole, they, you know. But if you fall into the black hole yourself, you might not even know you fell into one. You know? So I, nobody knows. But now we have a picture of it, and we still don't know. Uh, that doesn't help us much at all. There are times when you just simply don't know what's going on. There are times that you just don't understand why this happened. What's, what's the buzz? Yeah. When the tempter comes and you make bad decisions for bad reasons, and you just end up in this in this morass of confusion. That's the time to, you need to put your eyes on Jesus. See, he'll welcome back the prodigal who's made bad decisions for bad reasons. He's faithful and just. He'll forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is not just the author. He is the finisher of our faith. There are times when the, when the night is dark and, and confusion seems overwhelming, and that's the time to put your eyes on Jesus because he's the light of the world. He's the true light that gives light to every person on this earth. He's not just the author, he's also the finisher of our faith. There are times when the storm rages and the, and the pain is, just seems overwhelming and the brokenness is very real. You put your eyes on Jesus. Because it's his voice that can still the storm. It's his voice that can say, peace be still. And, and it really, I'm not even talking about the, the meteorological. I mean, that can happen, the wind. But I'm talking about in here. The storm calms. The peace that passes understanding comes. He's, it's, it's his words on which you can build a house that when the winds blow and, and, and the rains come down and the waters come up, it will stand. Because he's not just the author, he's also the finisher of our faith. There will be times that you don't understand. There just will be. And somehow or another, Somehow or another, we kind of get this idea, or the world gets this idea. So, yeah, if you're a Christian, you'll run into times so you don't understand. If you're anybody, you will run into times when you don't understand what's going on. It's not if you're a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, or if you're some other faith or no faith. You will have times you don't understand. But if you're a Christian, you can understand this. In everything. In everything. God is at work for the, those who love him and, and those who are called according to his, to his purpose. See, if you, 
there, there are people who have turned away from God because, you know, well, I tried that God thing and, and such and such happened and I went and, and talked to the preacher or I, or I talked to the, somebody, one of the elders, or I talked to my Christian friend and, and they told me, you just have to trust God. Well, I can't do that. Well, what are you going to trust? What, what, what is your alternative? You won't find out the reason why that baby died in the, bottle of, in the bottom of a bottle. You don't get the answer there. You're not going to get the answer to why did the storm knock this house down and not knock down the others next to it, you know, uh, at the end of a needle. Oprah doesn't have the answer. Dr. Phil doesn't have the answer. And, and none of them have any hope. But when we turn and put our hope on God, I can testify. Romans 8, 28 is, is true. Uh, I don't know why. 35, 30 something years ago, when we did 36 now, I guess, when we decided to, when we, we decided we'll sell everything and move to Africa, within, within a month, our baby girl was laying in, in the hospital at the point of death of spinal meningitis. I don't know why. But even then, I knew God's at work. God's at work, and, and you know, and we were told, well, you know, she, she'll probably, she may survive, but she probably won't be able to hear, or she's going to have this wrong with her or that wrong with her, and you know, praise God, nothing was wrong with her, but you know what? If something had been wrong with her, God is still at work in everything for the good of those who love Him. We're called according to His purpose. This last uh, week, I was telling Margaret, I, I discovered that my old baseball coach had, uh, had passed away. Uh, he was 87, passed away back in late January. Uh, and um, I, I was pretty close to the family, and so I had already known that a number of years ago, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that, uh, his granddaughter had gotten killed when a person uh, ran a school bus uh, stop sign and, and hit her. She was in elementary school. Uh, girl. Wow. I mean, that's, that's rough. That's really rough. And, uh, but I, I went, uh, when, I, when I saw he had died, I, I went and clicked on the funeral home link and, and saw some of the things that people had written. And, you know, and he was a man of faith. And apparently one of the things that he was looking forward to was seeing that little girl again. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this hope that we have in Christ is a hope that we can, it is an anchor for our souls. That's what the scripture says. This is Holy Week. Jesus is going to be betrayed by a close friend. You might want to spend some time thinking about that. Jesus is going to be deserted by all of his followers feels alone. Jesus is going to be sham tried and, and falsely convicted. The victim of injustice. Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus is going to be buried in, in, in a tomb and enter into unknowable mysteries. There's a lot to think about. You may be, you may be betrayed. You may be deserted. You may be um, the victim of injustice. You may, uh, you may feel the weight of a cross. 
in your life, or worse, you may be stranded in the unknown. I just don't know what this is about. I just don't know why this happened. I just don't know. But this is Holy Week. And you can know this. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. There's a Savior who will never leave you or forsake you. And let me leave you with this thought. You see, it says the disciples didn't understand what they were doing. It was only after Jesus was glorified that they realized, oh, that's what this was about. Oh, that's why this happened. That these things have been written about him and they have been done to him. If you're in one of those black holes, one of those spaces, and if you're not, you will be at some point, understand that once Jesus is glorified, that's where the answers come from. That's where, you get, that's where you get the answer. Jesus truly is the answer, not just for the world today in terms of all of its issues and all of its problems. Jesus is the answer for the mysteries in your life.